Best Friends Finance, because when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Welcome to Best Friends Finance. Today, we are so excited to have Heather Guyon on our podcast today. And Heather is in both Amanda and I's network through our side hustle. And when we decided we were going to launch this and, and share it with our on Facebook and all of our social media outlets, Heather was all over it. She was commenting, she was private messaging us, and she was so passionate about personal finance for herself and for her family. And as we continue to grow and evolve, Heather has decided that she wants to share her story. And we love her story because it's different from ours. And um, Heather, we're just thankful for you to be here today. So thank you. Of course. Yes. I'm really, really excited to be here with you guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, Like you mentioned, I have been a fan of this podcast from the very beginning. I've listened to every episode. Yes. (laughs) Love, love, love everything, the content and just the conversation that you guys are women to or bringing to specifically women about money. I've loved it. So I'm excited to be here. So Heather, we love money stories, you know, how someone was raised, their first memories of money and how that shaped who they are as an adult and the decisions they've made. So listener money stories are going to be a big part of our podcast ongoing. We're so excited to hear yours. Could you tell us about your money story? Sure. So growing up, honestly, my parents are both entrepreneurs. My mom was a teacher by trade. My dad was actually an x-ray tech and they ended up starting their own businesses. Uh, My father started a mobile imaging company. And which went on to be incredibly successful. And my mom started a few daycare centers and then went on to, they together, they owned a few restaurants, they owned rental properties. And so they were always entrepreneurs and that was really normal for us. And so they, you know, hard workers, very hard workers, bootstrap type. And so my brother and I saw that growing up and, you know, looking back, what I thought was really, really normal now that I'm an adult with three kids of my own, It wasn't necessarily a normal childhood. I mean, we certainly didn't want for anything, but we also, um, you know, we had a lake home. We, my, my parents drove newer cars. Um, My dad's company, actually he had a private pilot's license. So his company um, had a plane. So we would fly out West to go skiing or to fly out to Colorado to visit family. And that sort of just was normal. And now, now as an adult, I realize that is not normal. Um, and so my money, you know, my money story, I guess early on, my very first memory of, of physical, tangible money was my 12th birthday. Um, my dad had given me a check to walk into a store with two of my best friends to purchase this coveted guess jean jacket. I can still see it in my, in my head. I can still see it. And I I think I have one too. Yes. I had this blank check to walk into this kind of higher end boutique for, you know, I, I grew up in a small town, in Northern Minnesota, so nothing was super high end, but for the town. Um, and I, I had this check and I remember the check, you know, he had just signed it and the, the jean jacket was $200. And I was, oh, I did not have that jean jacket. Wow. It, it was 1987. Oh my <laughs> and God. I remember my, my friends saying, Oh my God. And I just sort of thought, okay, well, I is, that is this sort of not normal, but on the same hand, my brother and I, like I said, we, my parents were very hardworking. The, the bar was set really high in terms of expectation. So you got, you better get A's and you better have a job and you better be, uh, you know, not getting in trouble in school, that kind of thing. So even though there was an abundance, it was never just sort of like, here you go. It was like, no, do your chores, 
get good grades. When we were in high school, we always had jobs. We paid our own insurance. If I got a B, I got my car pulled. So that sort of stuff went hand in hand. So I think that is sort of what uh, was able to balance, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And you know, what I think is interesting is that your parents were entrepreneurial. And so I'm assuming this was like the 80s. You were a kid of the 80s as well. I don't feel like a lot of I think of my parents and my friends' parents, and it seems like most people were W-2 employees there. Like the entrepreneurial movement has seemed to be more recent. So not just your financial situation, but like what your parents did. Did it seem different than everyone around you? It did. It did. You know, my dad was gone a lot, uh, especially when we were younger and he was building his business. So that was very different from uh, from a lot of my friends' dads. And then my mom, uh, I can remember, you know, she would go to work before we even left for school. So we would be home early in the morning by ourselves um, when we were really young. And then she'd work late hours. And I remember specifically Friday nights um, was family pizza night at, at the local beloved pizza joint called Dave's Pizza. Shout out to Bemidji. <laughs> but we couldn't go to dinner until she finished her payroll and finished all of the paperwork for the week. And whether that meant we were there sitting at, you know, her place of business until 5.30 or 6, we had to wait until the work was done. And so that was different. It was, it was you know, it wasn't a nine to five. It was you work until the work is done. And we just knew that. Did your parents talk to you about money or specifically how to manage your money growing up? No, <laughs> unfortunately, no. Um, so it turns out, so my dad, the one thing I will say, my dad always told us to pay ourselves first, always. So he would say, listen, 10 to 15% right off the top of your paycheck before it even goes into your bank account needs to be invested. And I remember thinking, okay, and he, that was just his golden rule, pay yourself first right off the top. Um, but other than that, not really. And it's interesting because my parents divorced when I was in my late 20s. And I didn't find out until much later, in fact, probably within the last few years, that um, they had total separate finances. They never, had, they never had blended their finances. And so my mom had certain bills she paid and my dad had certain bills he paid. But it wasn't until they got divorced that my mom said she knew what their net worth was. She had no idea. And no. so it was really, no, not a lot of, yes. And my father went on to retire but before he turned 50. So yeah, it was, you know, as an adult, like I said, I didn't know any of these things. And, and it, it's just a really interesting backstory to have. You know, it seemed happy-go-lucky to, to my brother and I, but it turns out maybe not so much. You know, it was separate finances. She didn't really necessarily know where the investments or money were going. And so that was, a, you know, like I said, I didn't know that until an adult or until adult age. And, and no, money wasn't really talked about other than make sure you pay yourself first. Okay, Heather, how did that translate into your adult life? Like as the woman of the household, were you always involved with your um, investments or was, was that something that you turned a blind eye to? Well, that is a really interesting question. You would think that I would be uh, in the know, right? Knowing what I, knowing how I grew up. In my early 20s, uh, I, before I was married, I, was doing, I had a great job. I had a good income. I uh, was doing all the things. I, I did have a financial advisor, or a financial planner. I was investing in my 401k. And then I did have, um, I had a first marriage before my marriage to Brent. In my late 20s, it was very short-lived. It was a very tumultuous relationship. But I will say, and I'm not proud of this, and I don't know why I did it, but for those short couple of years we were married, I relinquished all control of the money. 
he paid the bills. Um, I honestly didn't really know where the money was going. I was just sort of told it was, you know, the bills are being paid. Don't worry about it. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure if I thought that that was, you know, it was my first marriage. I was young. I was naive. And I will say when that ended in divorce abruptly, um, Minnesota is a no-fault state. And so I walked away with a hefty amount of credit card debt that I didn't know existed on top of lawyer's fees. And I will tell you that I was 29 at the time and that completely changed the trajectory of the next, well, I'm 45. So the next 16 years, I vowed never again to not know where every penny of my money was going to not be in control of it completely. And I will, I will tell you that was probably one of the hardest conversations that I ever had with my dad is telling him, you know, coming out of that divorce and telling him, Hey, I didn't know we had all this and I wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask that question actually about your parents, because I have a almost 25 year old daughter and she's not married yet, but are these conversations that you had with your parents, did they know what your financial situation was and that you had relinquished all control over to your first husband? No, they did not. And they were shocked. And as you know, now the person that I've, you know, everything shapes us and molds us, right? I believe that, you know, there are life lessons everywhere. But now looking back, I don't even know why I did that, quite honestly. I really, it, it's not, my personality is, 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 is very different now than it was then. Um, and like I said, I was young, I don't know, naive, but it was a big life lesson. And it took me years to come out of that debt. And when I, uh, Brent and I, my husband uh, grew up together, but we never dated and we never really knew each other until we were in our thirties. And when we met and uh, got married and started a family, I was really reluctant to blend finances. And he made a lot more than I did, but I was still really gun shy and scared. So how that, my role, when we got married and started our family and we did blend our finances, my role really was CEO of the family. And I, I took over all bill paying and have done that ever since. Now we certainly have joint conversations about where our money is going, but I've always paid the bills and known where every penny is going and budgeted. And um, it's, it's been a totally different scenario this time around. Does that, doing that increase your sense of security and control when it comes to your finances? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Like I just, I need to know, I need to see it. I need to understand it. And I feel so much better when I know exactly what's going on. Yes. And when we first got together, um, you know, we were both earning a really good income and loving our jobs. And once we started our family, I had a, a really strong pull to stay at home. And I never thought I would have that. I, I loved my career. I was very fulfilled. I was a cardiac and vascular sonographer for a very prominent cardiology group that I loved. I was there 10 years. And when my son turned one, I said, I can't do this. Um, and I walked away. And so there was a lot of um, a leap of faith there for sure, going from two incomes to one. And then we quickly added two more kiddos. And so those early years were you know, tight. And so my purpose and my fulfillment were really honestly to budget the best I could and be the best steward of what we had early on. 
So Heather, when we launched this podcast, she reached out and shared that she and her husband and her family are working really hard and, and diligently to be debt-free, which I think is amazing. I love the words debt-free. Um, I think we're all aspiring to that. And so we've talked about what you've done, but that wasn't like instantaneous. I mean, did you go through times where you were financing things or, or seeing the shiny objects? Laura and I have seen a lot of shiny objects mm-hmm. and they, they derailed us a bit. Um, tell us what that looked like for you. Yes. So we, we did finance quite a bit. Honestly, we, um, early on, you know, budget was tight. I did the very best. I can remember coupon clipping and, you know, scrapping together, scraping together, you know, what I could to make sure the budget stretched as far as it could. And then uh, when my youngest was born, she was only about three months old when I started my side business and it turned into so much more pretty quickly and that gave me a bigger boost of confidence and even a bigger um, sense of control because I was once again contributing to the bottom line, which even though as a, you know, the CEO and paying the bills and really making sure budgeting was running a tight ship, it felt really good to be earning a paycheck again. And so that gave us a little bit of sense of false, false uh, comfort, I guess. And so we started you know, getting a little more lax with credit card. And, you know, we always thought we were doing okay because we had two incomes, we lived pretty comfortably, we were contributing to 401ks and maxing out IRA, we started 529 plans, we've had a financial advisor, all the things that adults are supposed to do. Yet here we were kind of slowly adding on to credit card debt, not paying them off. And then, you know, fast forward a few years ago, we built our dream home. It'll be three years now this summer. And uh, it was a, obviously a huge, huge monetary financial undertaking. Um, and once we, once we moved in, you know, life happened. So even though we stuck to a pretty good budget during our build, you know, then you, then you move in and you get new furnishings or you, the kids all now have their own bedrooms. So we furnished the bedrooms. I mean, little things like that, that just started to sort of add up. And then you throw in life, right? So a couple of years ago, my, my youngest ended up in the hospital with salmonella. And that was a very, very quick three-day uh, $10,000 medical bill that came in that we put on a credit card. Ouch. So things like that started happening. And like I said, we had this false sense. We, were, we had good jobs. We were doing all the things we were supposed to, yet we had credit cards that were piling up. We were not paying them off every month. And the big aha moment, we are a Dave Ramsey fan, or family, excuse me. And uh, I found him last fall. Our big aha moment was honestly, uh, a couple things happened back to back. And it just made me stand up and say, this is enough. We're done. Uh, One of them, my husband had always had a fleet vehicle for his job. And that situation changed. So he ended up having to purchase a vehicle late last winter. And then as luck would have it, uh, my vehicle started, and both cars had been paid. Well, he had had his vehicle through work, and mine had been paid off for five years. I drove an old minivan, so cars aren't really my thing. If it gets me from A to B, that's good enough. But my van started having problems, and we financed a vehicle for me. And then a month later, um, we had to put in about ten thousand dollars worth of work to our driveway. We have we live on an old farmstead. And, or what used to be an old farmstead in our driveway is about a half mile long gravel. And it was in a horrible, horrible shape when we first built. And so we've had to every year put a little bit of money in, but last fall was 10,000. And that was when I said, wait a second, we are going the wrong direction. We now have two car payments and a personal loan. We are going the wrong direction. 
something has got to give. And that's when I found Dave Ramsey and read his book and started listening to the podcast and slowly, (laughs) slowly got my husband on board. I always ask that question, like, how long does it take the husband to get on board? Because people don't recognize or realize that we we have these goals for our family, but it doesn't, we don't all get there at the same time. Your husband doesn't always, you know, maybe he wants to do, Amanda, Steve wanted to get you going years ago and you weren't ready until you were ready. And so what did that look like for you and your husband in your household? You know, the first few months I was, I will, looking back, I will admit I was obsessed. Um, I'm kind of one of those people when I, when I find something that I'm really passionate about, I'm, I'm, all or nothing. All in. And yes. And so <laughs> I would binge his podcast and I read his book and I'd go to my husband. And let me preface by saying too, my husband's always been pretty financially responsible, always made good money, always made pretty good decisions. So it was more me of, you know, not that he didn't have some credit card debt, but I had the, the majority of it. And just together, like I said, that false sense of security that we're okay, we can, we can finance this or, you know, it just all added up. So when I first started talking about it, he was like, wait a second, who is this? And then once we you know, had some open conversations, he said, well, yeah, Heather, I've always said, let's not have credit card debt. I've always been on board with that. And so he's still not as gung-ho as I am, if I'm being brutally honest. However, we do both have the goal to be completely consumer debt-free um, and then pay off our mortgage. And you know, we do have long-term goals that, that we're on the same page with. And that's been a game changer. Where do you start with that? You decide you want to be debt-free I'm sure that Dave Ramsey has some really specific advice. Were you instantly paying off the smallest debt first or was it tackling the highest interest rate? What was your strategy? So our strategy, and, and Dave Ramsey's got the seven baby steps, which I won't go over because anybody can look those up. But um, the first step is to have $1,000 in an emergency fund. And it's not large at, by any means, but it's enough to get you by if you had you know, your brakes went out or you needed new tires or something happened, you wouldn't need to put it on a credit card. You could, you could come up with that money. And so we'd always done that. So the second step for us was to tackle all of our consumer debts. And there was a lot of it. I, the first thing I did, and I can remember it plain as day, it was last November is when we started this. I sat down one night and listed every debt we had. I had four credit cards. My husband had two. We had a personal loan. We had two vehicle notes and I listed them all down to the penny and totaled it up. And it was, I I honestly, guys, I I didn't cry. (laughs) I was in shock. I was, I was in shock. And I showed my husband and he said, wait a second, what? Because again, you know, we had a good, a decent sized portfolio. We were doing all the things. And so I immediately put the 529s on hold Then the very next day, I called our financial planner and I said, we have to, we were only doing 150 per child, but still we put all that on hold. We put uh, the 401k on hold, which I know is a big no-no in a lot of people's books, especially if there's a match. But for us, it was just short term. I wanted to get as much cash as we could flowing at that smallest debt. So I listed them smallest to largest and we started just knocking them out. And getting really aggressive, I, we had never done a zero-based budget. That's also a Dave Ramsey thing. Basically, you take every dollar coming in and you assign it uh, a duty. So every dollar has a place and you, you are aggressive about making sure you are diligent and purposeful and intentional about everything coming in. And that's how we started. And the other thing I'll say that I did, and I, I think I've heard you guys talk about this on the podcast early on, I 
assessed everything, right? I took a look at everything that was going out of the bank account and I found things like Amazon Prime Music for $14.99. I didn't know my kids had subscribed to that, <laughs> right? right? Or, or, you know, um, just Hulu, Netflix, Disney, all the things we weren't using and I cut them immediately. Now we still have cable. We have a, we're out of town and we're in a small town, so we have a dish, but um, we didn't cut that. But boy, oh boy, did I cut everything else. Um, to the point where my kids were like, wait a second, Alexa doesn't work anymore to dance to. <laughs> uh, so, so I got really, really gritty about that, scrappy with that. And the other thing I did is I called every, every fixed bill that we had. So cell phone, cable, internet, and I negotiated. I negotiated every single bill. I love that you did that because most people will not make that call. And we talked about this on a private previous episode with Nicole Sewell, but you've got to ask. I mean, it's worth asking on all of those pills. Yes. And it's nothing my husband would have ever done. He's, he's uh, really patient with us, but not patient with things like that at all. And so, you know, is it tedious and time consuming and kind of a pain in the rear? Yeah, it is. But at the end of the day, um, I ended up paying off our cell phones so that we could go to a prepaid plan or that was my intention. I actually ended up negotiating our plan down to the same rate as a prepaid because they didn't want to lose us. And our cable bill I negotiated and then they, they fixed the rate for two years. Um, I even, you guys, I, th this is how, this is how down and dirty I got. I negotiated with my hairdresser. <laughs> wow. And I have never, so I've gone to the same hairdresser for 21 years and she's fabulous. I drive an hour to see her. I don't go all that often, to be honest. I go, I go probably every three months or maybe four, <laughs> but, um, she's fabulous and, uh, it's, it's expensive. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter where you're going. If you're getting a cut in a color and any kind of service and buy any products, you're paying some, some serious money for that. And so I said to her last December when we were new, newly on our journey and we had cut up our credit cards, I'd cut two of mine actually, and then put the other two in an envelope in a, the back of a cupboard. I did not carry them with me anymore because the remove the temptation. I couldn't mm -hmm. use them because they weren't physically with me. And I messaged her one day and I said, Hey, I've got an appointment coming up and I've never asked for this before, but I have to pay cash for this because I cannot put it on a credit card. And at the time, you guys, I didn't want to put it on our debit because I didn't want my husband to know what, what I was spending, <laughs> which, sounds, which sounds horrible now, which sounds horrible now. And I can laugh about it because I'm open with it now. But I said, I need to cash flow this is there any chance you can give me a break or a discount? And guys, she gave me $60 off for asking. Wow. wow. Okay. I just got my hair done and Laura knows how much I paid and it was so bad. And I did put it on a credit card because my I handle all of our finances. So Steve doesn't see, um, but like I would never tell him, which, okay, you guys, wow, listeners, I'm sorry. That's horrible. I don't keep secrets from my husband, but like he's not asking. So I'm not going to volunteer what I just spent on my hair. Um, but wow, it never occurred to me for ask for to ask for a break. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Y'all, my grandmother and, used to say whatever. Like she would when we would walk in from shopping or whatever, she would say, "If your grandfather doesn't ask, that's not lying." One hundred percent. Well, I got my hair done uh, a week and a half ago, and I put it on our debit card because we are completely credit card free. As of now, we are only using a debit card. And so I was fully expecting my husband to say, um, what was this charge? But he didn't. He didn't at all. 
So that was going to be my next question. Where are you on that journey? I mean, it was just November, and that's not that long ago that you made yes. this list and, list and felt like crying. It sounds like you're in a different place. Oh, completely different place. And the timing couldn't have been better with what the world has just gone through mm-hmm. and the stress and the uncertainty. Uh, it was just such a godsend to be and such a blessing to be in a place, you know, the place that we are now. So we have, we started in November, um, listed all of our debts. And I'm going to be really candid. I'm an open book. That total was $92,000. Almost 50 of it was car. Well, 48 was cars. So Mm -hmm. a good chunk of it was cars. And then a good chunk was my credit cards. But we are, um, we have paid off the personal loan. We have paid off every credit card and we are set to pay off my car on July 30th. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. So it is amazing. Yes. And I'm not going to, you know, people are probably going to say, wait a second, what? (laughs) What? Uh, I'm not, you know, starting with a budget, a zero-based budget and assigning every dollar a duty absolutely set us on the track, not only, you know, the fundamental track of the framework, but also the mindset of being really intentional with every dollar. I'm not going to say that, you know, that's how the 40,000 came to be. There was certainly a bonus involved. My income uh, went up significantly in the last couple months. Um, there was a, a, a tax return. So there were the other things that came in, but we were really intentional with that money. And instead of just sort of letting it sit like we used to in our account, we threw it at something with, with aggression and intention <laughs> and knocked it out. Absolutely. It sounds like you knocked a lot out. So have you gone back to, have you revisited your 401k during this? I'm independently employed. So my husband's 401, we, um, his company matches. And so we were doing the minimal to match. And now actually just this weekend, and this is a little bit out of the Ramsey framework. He says to pay off everything before you invest. However, I need to be aware of what works best for us and also honor what my husband, you know, honor my husband's, you know, both of our goals. Right. And so, uh, basically we, we revamped his 401. And so we are going to start the 529s again, as soon as my car is paid, because then we'll only have my husband's vehicle. So again, a little bit out of step with Ramsey, he would say, you know, pay off that vehicle first, but um, they've been on hold for long enough. Now our, our financial planner advised us not to put things on hold for much longer than a year mm-hmm. because you're losing, you know, we're in terms of high income potential, our ages right now. And what we're, you know, we're losing a lot more than we're gaining. And so we're going to start that up again. But I'll tell you, once we get my vehicle paid, that is just fuel to the fire to pay off his truck by at least November at the latest, at the latest. Wow. You know, I have to say, I know that Dave Ramsey has coached for years to put your retirement on hold while you pay off your debt. But man, if your employer is matching, Mm -hmm. that is free money. So Mm -hmm. I think that's great to get back to it, to the, to the, at least to the point of the employer match and just keep knocking out your debt. Absolutely. It's been such a different experience through the whole last few months than it would have been had we been paying six credit card minimums. Wow. You know, Laura and I, we usually end with a, we ask our guests for a weekly win, which is a piece of advice for our listeners, but we know you're not, you know, a financial expert. Clearly you're a financial ninja because you (laughs) accomplished something incredible since last November. Um, So we're going to ask a different question today, which is, Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to the 20-year-old you? Oh, gosh. Back to basics. Pay yourself first. Invest in your 401 and never touch it. That was a part of the story earlier, guys. I, um, <laughs> a really dumb thing I did in my 20s, I could tack on to that first marriage. Uh, 
I took out, I withdrew from my 401 to buy a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, without consulting my parents at all, which my father would, you know, I can see his, his eyes rolling right now. But um, so, so invest in your, you know, pay yourself first, start your 401k or IRA as soon as possible because compound interest will be your very best friend. Trust me, Google compound interest <laughs> and, and 30 or 40 years of compound interest will make you a millionaire alone. So pay yourself first. Don't touch your invest your retirement investments. And another thing, which I think uh, two more, and I'll end. Um, list your if you're in a position like I was or our family was last November. List out all of your debts. It's super super scary, but once it's tangible and visual, and you see it, at least for me, that was a that was a make or break moment. And then the last thing I think that's been really important that we've done now that we're just operating on debit card alone, and I think this can be applicable to any, you know, anybody, any age, before you make any purchase, we've, we've um, instated the 48-hour rule. So I used to put things in my Amazon cart willy-nilly and just a book here, a cookbook there, a hair product, and before I knew it, $60 or $70, you know, click Prime and you're good. Now, both my husband and I, before we make any purchase, regardless of how small it is, outside of groceries, obviously, we wait 48 hours. And I will tell you that nine times out of 10, I haven't made that purchase after waiting two days. But Heather, that was amazing. And I didn't know that what you guys did. So huge congratulations. Thank you. Wow, that conversation was worth a million. Honestly, I think so many people are in a similar position regarding debt, regarding credit card use, um, regarding needing a plan. And Laura, we're on Zoom and I saw you nodding a lot during that. Did that resonate with you? So much. Heather's story reminds me so much of Jeff and I's. And her timeline is very similar to ours as well. And one thing that she said that, I had never done in my entire adult life was actually going and sitting down and actually putting on paper what the actual debt was, what the payoff was, what the interest rates were, and adding it up. Because when you you know you have debt, but you don't know what that number is until you add it up. And when you look at that, you have two choices. Your choices are either to keep adding to it or to start paying it off and being super aggressive about it and and finally start telling yourself no to all of the extra things until we get square. So it sounds like really there's almost a triggering event and it's realizing that you need to look at what all those debts are and see that number on paper. And that's what, like you said, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to tackle it or you're probably going to be in fetal position. So I love that she did that. And I think that it's something everyone could do. I mean, imagine if everyone looked at every single thing they have financed and put it all in one place in front of the, right in front of your face and made decisions based on that, not based on what they saw on social media that looked cute that they want to buy right now or, you know, that, that kind of mindless spending that I think a lot of us have fallen into when, when we do well in life, when our careers are going well. And, you know, I think too, we got in a mindset of if we could afford the payment, that we could afford the item, whatever that was. And so I think that's a slippery slope too, because what happens if your income goes down? What happens if your husband loses a job? What I mean, there are so many things that can 
that can happen in your life. And if you can't suddenly make those payments anymore, then what happens? So just shifting shifting your mindset from it's just a payment, I can afford the payment to we're not going to buy it unless we can pay cash. And when she said they don't buy any purchases for 48 hours without it sitting in their cart, Amanda, I mean, it took me 48 hours at least to decide to buy a new pair of running shoes. And I need a new laptop really badly. <laughs> it's taken me six months. And finally now I'm like, okay, I got to go buy this. You know, I, I definitely have trained. I mean, I used to, if I needed a laptop, I go buy a laptop. Now everything is super intentional. Every dollar matters. And you've been super patient with me. I love you for that. But I am going to get a new laptop to help out with the podcast. <laughs> y'all don't even want to, I just said y'all, like I'm from the South. You people don't even want to know about Laura and her laptop. Oh my goodness. Oh, so many difficulties. Um, my favorite thing that, about that conversation was the actual excitement and joy in Heather's voice when she shared where they are now. And and can you feel how good it feels to her to be in a position that they are down to their cars and, and her car is almost paid off? I mean, it sounds like every single win as far as paying off their debt is just a totally jubilant experience. And imagine when they're they're completely debt-free. Well, everybody, we're so glad you joined us today to hear Heather's story. And if you want to continue to be part of the conversation, join us on social media. We're at Best Friends Finance on Instagram. We have a private Facebook group, Best Friends Finance, where you can engage with other Best Friends Finance listeners. And if your money story is something you'd be willing to share, listener money stories are huge to us. We love to hear real people stories of how they've evolved with their ideas on spending, on saving, on, and on preparing for the future. So, hey, if you have a money story that you'd be willing to share, shoot us a message on social media or shoot us an email at hi at Best Friends Finance. You can subscribe to our podcast and get us in your inbox at bestfriendsfinance.com and share us with your friends. Anyone that needs to hear this message, we are just super passionate about, again, sharing not only our stories, but the stories of others, because that's how Amanda and I learned. We learned from one another. And then we started having these conversations with friends and family and we've grown so much. And so we're super passionate about sharing it. And one thing too, Amanda, that I would add on to that is maybe you don't think that your money story is that great, but somebody else might, but also you may know someone who has a great money story who maybe doesn't listen to this podcast, refer them to us as well. We really just want to share as many stories as possible because that is, again, how we all learn is from one another. So thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this, please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider because for podcasters, reviews are life and what keep us going and help people find us. Until next time. 